the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. We're glad you're along with us tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, Kidoki. Let them know that we have a delay problem here. Okay, we're going to uh, get going. Stacy is here in the studio with me. And we are... <laughs> All right. For some reason, we have a delay problem, Mark. Uh, if you could help us get out of this as we just started up the program. There we go. Great. Just a touch of the right button. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you, folks, for being with us this evening. This is The Bible Live. We are making our way through the entire Bible as we do every year. We've already read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the book of Numbers we finished up uh, last week, I guess, and started the book of Deuteronomy. This past week, we have read entirely from the book of Deuteronomy, which is a very remarkable, very interesting book. It is the, uh, we'll, we'll explain more about it in detail, but enough to say right now, it is the most quoted book in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. In other words, uh, in the New Testament, the, cites and quotes from many books of the Old Testament, the books of the prophets, the books of history and so on, book of kings and all. But there are more quotations and more citing of references from the book of Deuteronomy than any other book in the Old Testament uh, there in the New Testament. So uh, outline of it last week, but uh, we're going to go ahead and We'll be talking principally about the book of Deuteronomy tonight. We read chapters 6 through 28, which is mainly all of the chapters in between. I guess it had, what, 34, verse, 40, 34 chapters altogether, I believe it is. And so we've, we've read the really kind of the heart of the book of Deuteronomy this past week. And then we'll finish up the book of Deuteronomy on Monday and Tuesday of this coming week. And then we'll move back to the New Testament, 
will rotate back to the New Testament, picking up at the Gospel of Mark, the second book of the New Testament, which uh, we've already read Matthew, so we'll now go back to the Gospel of Mark. Pick up there, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll leave the people of Israel camped there on the east side of the Jordan, where we find them now, and then we'll go to the New Testament, and then we'll come back, and we'll pick up with Joshua, that's what we're doing. That's where we are right this present moment. And so tonight we have a very interesting challenge. The book of Deuteronomy is remarkable in the sense of it's, we were talking about the theme of nation building. Yeah. And, and you kind of like that phrase. I do. I Let like me give how you a little bit it. more volume, Stacey. And, <laughs> uh, and I do too. I think it, it, it kind of describes what God is doing here. Here we have this group of people. Uh, if you remember, folks, we had uh, Genesis's creation, but in chapter 12, we picked up with Abraham and then his son Isaac and then his sons Jacob and Esau, but Jacob becomes the son of promise. So you got Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And then remember the 12 sons of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel went down into Egypt during the time of Joseph, you know, to escape the famine that was in the land. And the book of Genesis ended with the people of Israel down hundred years later, which, by the way, was predicted in the book of Genesis when God is speaking to Abraham in chapter 15. He tells them that your people are going to be under uh, your children, your descendants are going to be under uh, suppression by a foreign nation, uh, and as we learned, is it's Egypt and for 400 years, and then I will bring them out of Egypt and back to this land, this promised land of Canaan, and that I have promised a covenant relationship with Abraham to give that land to his descendants. And so that's what happened under the leadership of Moses. They came out of uh, Egypt in the book of Exodus. And then you have Leviticus and Numbers are, they're camped at the base of Mount Sinai. And God begins this process of reshaping and remolding them, teaching them, guiding them, gives them a calendar, gives them their holidays that they'll, they'll, they will uh, celebrate a, in, as a nation. And all of these are, all of these are designed to help them be strong, mm-hmm. to be continued to worship God, to continue to be good mm-hmm. themselves, to obey God's commands, mm-hmm. treat each other as God commands them to treat each other. And uh, so so we have this nation build a journey up to the Canaan mm-hmm. to go into Canaan, possess the promised land, but they wouldn't do it. They fell back in their lack of faith and their fear. And so they had to go into the wilderness for... 40 years, mm-hmm. 42 stops. We looked at that in the <laughs> in the uh, in the books of Leviticus, and mainly in the book of Numbers. We covered their journeys, mm-hmm. and then now they went back up, and they're camped again at the on the east side of the Jordan, across the Jordan River from Jericho, and so there we have them. And Moses is there, and he's he delivers this series of messages to them on the east side of the Jordan. 
there are four messages, and then there's a fifth that he probably didn't do because he was dead. <laughs> so someone else must have delivered the, the record of his death uh, there on the east side of the Jordan. But there we have it, and the book of Deuteronomy actually means second law, uh, the Greek from the Greek word, uh, the word deutero means second, and nomos means law, Deuteronomy. And so you have, that's where we get it. It's, a, it's not really a second law, it's a present, presentation of the law now to a second generation. Uh, he is repeating the law to a new generation. Remember, all of the males 20 years and older had died away. The, that earlier generation, the base of Mount Sinai, there must have been children at that time, uh, 40 years earlier. There, some of them are surviving, uh, of the, the children of that era, but also there were many who were born in the wilderness, uh, a whole nother group, a whole nother generation, a whole nother, that's a whole nother generation. And so they are there. And now, so Moses is reminding them of who they are, of their heritage, of their legacy, of faith, of their history, of their covenant relationship with the true and living God. And so that's what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. And he continues in this, in this mode of Nation building. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, you, you kind of like that phrase. Why is that you I respond do. to that? Well, I think that I like it for the same reason that Ben, Frank, you know, maybe that Ben Franklin, God governs in the affairs of man. I think sometimes we, especially kind of politically, we have um, almost a fear of combining religion, which, uh, and, and, um, Government. And government, yeah, yeah, for sure. Understandably, I mean, our uh, his, the history of that is not particularly good. It has, it does have to be r- right. <laughs> it does have to be, and that's why I think I so love um, the Bible and this part of the Bible in particular, because it's not as if you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not as if, well, then you say, well which is kind of where we've gotten today, I think, where there's no room for God, you know, or prayer in anything government, really. You know, it's like we've swung the other way and we've gotten afraid to yeah. have any kind of sense of of um, morality or yeah. right and wrong in Separation government. Separation between church and state. Right, and how that's gotten abused. Religion. Well, and it really is complicated because... Yeah. There, sh- there shouldn't be any separation of morality and government. Right. So, <laughs> no, there should so not. So evidently to enforce right. some understanding of Good what's right behavior. and wrong, uh-huh. what's the way we want to encourage people to treat each other. Yeah. We want to encourage honesty. Mm-hmm. We want to give way and encourage uh, life. Give way to life and to kindness mm-hmm. and goodness mm-hmm. and uh, uh charitable giving mm-hmm. and helping others so we do want to encourage morality mm-hmm. marriage doing the right marriage. thing mm-hmm. being faithful mm-hmm. and in and true uh, truth and yet those things are so in our particular in our particular time in history in our particular culture 
-hmm. Those values, right and wrong, are so attached to an understanding of ultimate meaning, God, and and faith, and obedience to God, that, wow, it's it's hard about what is religion and Mm -hmm. what is morality and Mm -hmm. what is goodness. Um, I I don't know what the key is. I, I I don't know what... We're still kind of fighting that battle in our nation, right? Right now, there are a lot of people who, yeah. you, the idea America is a Christian nation. Well, in what sense? I mean, we're uh, out of our over 300 million people, there's not really that high a number of them that are actually, I assume, mm-hmm. I guess most of us believe this, that there aren't out of the, let's say three be only one out of every 10 actual uh, is is genuinely mm-hmm. acknowledging God and giving a high priority in their personal life to to honoring God, to loving God, to obeying God, to mm-hmm. uh, trusting Him to live. Uh, now, that doesn't mean, I suppose, that the other 90%, let's say, I don't know how many, 70, 80, 90% are not Christians in that sense, in that personal sense. Mm-hmm. But they may still embrace the moral, ethical values that, I mean, there, there are those who are not, are not Christian believers, for example, I, I, I assume, that are pro-life, mm-hmm. that, would, that would say, yes, we need to protect human life. They can't kill human life for, just for convenience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or and, and other things, I mean, uh, drunkenness or... Cheating and mm-hmm. and finances or uh, adultery would be mm-hmm. out, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but it, it gets murky, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When you but here in the book of Deuteronomy, here in the in the Bible, we have God at work, uh, working with Moses, other leaders, the tribal leaders mm-hmm. in the, the tribes of Israel, uh, Aaron, um, J- Joshua, and other leaders. He is he is nation building. He is. He's trying to put in place in their in their new culture, in their obedience to the way they treat each other and so on, that will preserve them as a people, that will bring blessing to them. That, I guess that's one of the questions we have uh, in our list of questions about the book of Deuteronomy is, what is God's motive uh, for giving Israel all of these laws and regulations? Uh Somehow in our world today, we're kind of, uh, there's this whole bias, prejudice against laws, against regulations. And yet, mm-hmm. our own country, we, we have laws, we have traffic laws, we have rules that you have to obey, or you get punished, or you experience um, mm-hmm. consequences of those. So... But but for some reason or other, we were an American thing or what? A little bit of both, probably <laughs> there. But right, um, and I and I think that that's another reason why I do like the term nation building, and um, and in particular, yeah, Deuteronomy six twenty four is where you were talking about what what was God's motives for the mm-hmm. laws and regulations. He but, states what it, he tells yeah. what his motive is for all of these laws. Yeah. Right there in uh, chapter 6, verse 24. Mm-hmm. 
And it's for our protection. It's for our there to protect, provide, and guide. It's to it's for our very much the way that we should look at. It. I mean, it would be like a father and the rules that a father would have for his children. Moses says, God brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he has sworn to give our ancestors, us as a people group. Mm -hmm. And the Lord, our God, commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives. There's the motivation. Yeah. God is not just telling them what to do so I can lord it over them, right. just, but to bring about blessing, to bring to preserve them as a people group so they don't self-destruct, right. kill each other off, or, or uh, and so on. Uh, or disease. or uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands of the Lord that God, our God has given to us. Mm -hmm. So... We're we're although uh, we're in a weird sort of a time of history right now, in terms of America and our own view of these things, uh, it's gotten a little bit twisted and turned because so many people think, well, you can't legislate morality, you can't, you got to keep church, and no one wants everybody to force to be a Baptist, for example, <laughs> or forced to be this, uh, or, or or even forced forced to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, that right. that's not the idea, um, but to treat each other well and to mm -hmm. treat each other in a in a way that happens to fall under the idea of Christian morality and ethics yeah. and the biblical right. uh, uh, instruction as as as, um, as Christians. And it, it's back a, to the it's a very difficult thing. and back to why, because that is the way of preservation blessing. of blessing of life of of um of sustainability that is god's that that is the actual design mm -hmm. <laughs> it is god's design it's not a religion it's a relationship as <laughs> yeah it's interesting though because in the case of israel in the in the case of this particular people group in the bible there were two things at work one was just a general um instruction that these these guidelines are going to help you to prosper as a people to endure it, um, it'll right. preserve you as a culture, as a society, and it'll bring blessing. Okay, mm -hmm. one. But at the same time, there's a secondary Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He has covenanted to use this people group to bring about, to, right. pres to preserve a witness for himself in the world, yeah. among the nations, and also to bring the Messiah, the Redeemer, the right. Savior, his redemptive plan in some way is tied up yeah. with their preservation, with them being strong, with them to keep on following him. Because the Messiah yeah. that has been already promised back in the Genesis and so on, this Redeemer who is so key to the redemptive plan of God for all of humanity, there's also a secondary reason then, a very special reason for them in particular, mm -hmm. that God is investing time to to teach them, to instruct them, to put uh, cultural norms in place, uh, festival days, holidays, mm -hmm. and things that would cause them and help them to be faithful, to, to stay, mm -hmm. to keep worshiping him. Because they're surrounded by countries and nations that do not worship the, right. the true and living God, that right. worship idols, that, that practice cruelty, that practice immorality, child sacrifice, and, and child sacrifice all mm -hmm. kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so it's important. He, he, 
he has a vested interest in in preserving and keeping them mm-hmm. and so uh, there's there's this there's this mixture of motivations now one thing he does make clear stacy is that he did not choose israel because of anything within them yeah not because they were particularly smart particularly good there's nothing within them there's no yeah. characteristic that that made them earn mm-hmm. he says I, i'll only do this in chapter 7 verse 7 he said, there's nothing in Israel in you. Moses makes this clear to the people. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's just that God chose to love you. And he's keeping his promise, his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, to those who went before you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a very interesting combinations of motives and, and reasons that God is dealing with them and working with them. But get out of this uh whatever what what can we glean from reading about god's laws and these instructions and guidelines what what can we benefit as the people of god yes as christians and then maybe even as american citizens Mm -hmm. um so so that's probably something we need to discuss a little bit if we're going to understand how should we take the Bible? How should we take Deuteronomy, even the New Testament? The instru- that tells mm-hmm. us how to treat each other, how to love love each other, esteem each other. Uh, what kind of laws and what kind of principles should guide us uh, as a society to each other, and, and therefore to be prosperous and to be preserved as a people? Um, I, I, I guess. We take these laws. We're not Israel. America is not Israel. So we don't have that covenant relationship uh, as a people group that... As a nation. As a nation. Right. But as believers here in America... We are Israel. We are Israel. (laughs) Yeah. Those of us who belong to God, Uh who are, are following, trusting in God through the Messiah, through Jesus... We have now become, it's very clear, Jesus points it out mm-hmm. in the New Testament, and so does Paul, that we are indeed now in this new era, the church age, we are we are spiritual Israel. Mm-hmm. Even in this time, right. not every person of these two million people at the base of Mount Sinai, all these two million people camped on the east side of the Jordan, not all of them were godly, god fearing, Mm -hmm. loving the Lord, and committed to trusting God, and uh, not all of them by any means. They were often disobedient. Mm -hmm. They were unfaithful. They practiced a lot of idolatry and other other sins. And so there were were plenty of people in in this group that didn't truly follow God. They weren't really Israel in that sense. Right. uh, Spiritually. But uh, so we... Have we confused everybody enough? <laughs> do you think? No, I, th- I think we're trying. I think last week in our readings here that it is so important, and I think it's a very important principle for our listeners. If you're going to read the Bible, uh, that we have to under- come to some understanding of that word Israel, yeah, and read it with some intelligence, not just always meaning. It doesn't always mean a people group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it means those who love God, those who are following God's people. Most of them. Acknowledge Him, believe in Him, want to obey Him, 
God's people. Well, there's our music. We're, we've used up our first segment. We always use the first segment to kind of get our bearings, find out where we are. But we, our music is on. We're going to take our quick break. The Bible Live will continue in just a moment. Do not go away. <laughs> I You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Put your hands together and let's continue to give him some praise up in here. Here we go. Lord, I lift your name. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so perfect. 7878. Thank you for joining us here on the Bible Live, and uh, what a great uh, song to bring us back into the book of Deuteronomy. We're talking about the last 30 days now before the people of Israel enter into the promised land. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan, and he's not going to be allowed to go into uh, Canaan with them. Not at this time anyway. We did point out uh, in our earlier programs that, uh, what, 1,500 years later or so. He finally gets tender. <laughs> during the time of Jesus, uh, Jesus appears on Mount uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's very interesting, that passage. I was in a Bible study this week, um, this past week, and we were looking uh, at this passage um where Jesus uh, says to his disciples, he's telling them ab- about the future, about him being the Messiah the, the, in all of his glory and so on. And he says, some of you here in this group, you know, his glory. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of the people in the Bible study, I was, they were confused by that. And they were thinking, but that, that doesn't make sense because Jesus hasn't returned. And he said that some of them right there would see him you know, return and, and and so I mentioned to them, well, just read the next, just read the following verses. It actually changes chapters at that point. I said, just read the next chapter, and so they started looking down through it, and it, and it's where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he goes, uh, and he is transfigured in their presence, in glory. The Messiah now is not, you know, his his clothing shone bright. Uh, like, you know, just white and very bright. So they saw Jesus in his glory, and he was with Moses and Elijah. Which So Moses finally got to go into the promised land after all. But, um, it, but people, they had never made the connection between 
what Jesus said in that one chapter, and in just a few verses later, yeah. and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, so that he did keep that. What he said did come true. They did see him in his glory. But anyway, uh, Moses stayed out. He was not able. He uh, went to the top of Mount Pisgah, I think it's called. And and so he spends this time, this last month, with the people of Israel doing uh, what? He This book of Deuteronomy is, is written in the format of a, of a treaty or let's say a covenant that a conquering king, let's say a, uh, and write a covenant between himself and this conquered people mm-hmm. that he says, uh, uh, and, and it would have several sections. One, he would review their relationship, uh, past relationship. Here's what happened. Um, this is how I've treated you. This is a, this is kind of an outline of our, our past relationship. And in our present relationship, for us to maintain blessing and, and my protection, my pre- preserve you as a, as a culture, I will protect you. I'll commit to provide for you and, and, and uh, for you. And it's dependent on your keeping these commands, what is expected of you, and warnings of what would happen if they disobey. That my army will come back here and will right. you know will destroy you or will you'll be punished or whatever, and then of course there is the future. There is a challenge then to uh, obey the covenant and to uh, enter. So that's exactly the format of of uh, treaties that were signed. I mean Moses would have known this because he was raised in the palace of Egypt. And so he knew about this and wrote the book of Deuteronomy essentially in that format. Now, uh, the opening chapters 1 through 4 have to do with the past relationship. Chapters 5 through 26, he outlines the the rules and uh, again goes through some of the rules and laws and commands, the decrees that would guide them in, in their giving of the law to a new a generation of Israel, of Israelites. Uh, and then at the end, you'll see in the closing chapters, he challenges them in chapters 27 through 34 to choose life. I lay before you now, he said, the choice between life and death. I encourage, choose life. Oh, that you would choose life, that you will follow after God. You'll keep trusting him. Uh, and we were just laughing during the break, though, because Moses, then God tells Moses, it's almost like okay, he takes Moses aside and he said, "Now look, they're, they're not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. They're not going to obey me. They're not going to follow after me. They're going to be disloyal. They're going to follow after other gods." Huh. And so, and, and so, then he gives him a, a song. Believe it or not, he gives Moses a song. The song of uh, in chapter what chapter is that? That song, chapter thirty-three, I guess. 32-33, and so Moses delivers that song to them, uh, chapter 32, the song of Moses. And he tells them, you know, you're not going to follow after God. You know, you say you are right now, but you, uh, we know you're going to mess up. And he delivers that song and encourages them, you know, to follow after God, trust him, obey him. And so they start out well uh, under Joshua, but sure, sure as the Lord has said here, Moses said, 
it isn't long before they begin to follow after uh, the pagan uh, idolatrous idols of the other culture and society and following after the immorality and the cruelty and so on of the other cultures around them as well. So um, it, it comes true. But Deuteronomy is the most quoted book in the New Testament from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And so uh, we've already said that God gave them these laws because of the several reasons that we've mentioned, nation building that would be blessing to them and so on, but also because he has a unique covenant relationship with that particular people group that that it was important that they survive, that they they continue because he's going to bless all the nations of the world by bringing the Redeemer, the Savior, the Messiah through them and their descendants. So um, we've got all of that straightened out. Let, let's look at some things um, in in these chapters. Uh, in chapter 6, uh, we, we see that section where God tells his motivation for choosing them. But he also makes it clear that I'm not I haven't chosen you because you're something special. You're especially good or handsome or smart or whatever, moral. But it's just because of my I have chosen to love you and I'm keeping a promise uh, on the faithfulness of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, that legacy of faith, because of their faith, I, I'm working and I'm I made this commitment to, to you as a people group. Now, the covenant that God makes with the people of Israel is an an earthly covenant. Well, there's two aspects of it. One part of it is earthly, has to do with how well they're going to do as a people group, how how long they're going to last, how endure, uh, and and what will be the their experience if it be good or or painful or not. Uh, on the one hand, so it's earthly, but then there's also contained within it a spiritual aspect. There are those who do come to know God and truly know God in the book of Deuteronomy. Those among the people of Israel who truly loved God and trusted in God and, and, and sought him, desired him, and trusted in his redemptive plan that he had revealed uh, through... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, Jesus was still, the Messiah was still the key to everyone's salvation. Even back in the Old Testament, all of those who in the Old Testament are faithful and are come to God and are are part of God's people and, let's say, go to heaven, they go to heaven based on the work of Jesus, the Messiah. There's no other means by which men can be made right with God except the redemptive work of that God himself has brought about through the Messiah. Uh, But they looked forward to the Messiah, and their faith was exercised in anticipation of God's mercy and God's provision for their sin. Uh, As it was, and it was, they they signified in action that by, by bringing the lambs and the goats and the sacrifices and the, the uh, grain offerings and so on, those were symbolic, each and every one of them, of God's definitive redemptive uh, provision through the Messiah. And so uh, I hope you understand that, that, that they all, men from Adam and Eve to the human 
to now, anyone who comes to God, anyone who's going to be in heaven eventually will be there because of the work of, uh, of the redemptive plan of God carried out on earth through the Messiah who was promised in Gen- first promised orally in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. I'm going to send the seed of the woman who will crush the head of Satan and although he will be wounded. Uh, and so we see that the early early description of the work of the redeemer. Okay, let's let's move forward. Let's try to get some of the content of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh if you listen to us by the way, all you need to do is go to the website thebiblelive.com and uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday through Friday, you go uh, thebiblelive.com. You click on the uh, readings right there on the first page. You scroll down a little bit and you'll see today's reading. Click on it and you'll hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures. We'll finish up this coming week. Like I said, we'll finish up the book of Deuteronomy on Monday and Tuesday. And then we'll you're here. Uh, the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. We'll shift over to the New Testament, and you'll hear um, uh, several chapters from the Gospel of Mark on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then next Sunday night, we'll come and we'll we'll finish up our comments about Deuteronomy, and then we'll enter introduce Mark, and we'll begin to we'll talk about what we've read together, what we've listened to together, and hopefully you'll join us on this journey through the scriptures every year, uh, and it'll be a great blessing to you. But let's go now, and let's look at some of the specifics. Anything jump out at you, Stace, in the book of Deuteronomy, the, in, in terms of the actual content, the chapters, uh, the verses that we read? Was there anything that... Right. Well, I think, I mean, one of the things that are just is interesting to me is the establishment of the different... Um, festivals and celebrations it's kind of the the view um into the into the people uh-huh. um i just think that that's uh I mean, nothing is forgotten i guess in terms of it's it's all covered um the food the the way that they eat right. the way that they worship the calendar the it is uh, their their music their um, how they uh, deal with an unsolved murder mystery. <laughs> you know, sure. I mean, it is, it is all covered, and I think that that's. Uh, I mean, it seems that's a pretty big task. Um, it and, is, isn't it? Uh-huh. Now you have the big ten. You have the ten commandments right. in Exodus. Uh, what is it? Chapter twenty. Uh, who, they're present and they're commit they're presented again in Deuteronomy. The Ten Commandments are also brought to our attention in Deuteronomy. They're repeated. But then Moses spends time elaborating mm-hmm. and expanding on those ten great principles. Mm-hmm. So what do these ten commandments mean? And then he would talk about okay, uh, in marriage or in your right. business relationships, in your uh, in this exercise, in this and this other activity, and so he would go through even, like you said, almost every detail of their of life. And yet, I, I assume that it still, even then, probably wasn't comprehensive. It wasn't everything because they, as life went on, right. they would keep on coming up with new situations, mm-hmm. and they would have to building off the Ten Commandments and off the off of the other laws, they would. 
I guess they would formulate a, a formula or, or, or a law that would come, okay, here's how we're going to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, But you're right. It, great, great detail. I've forgotten how many laws are supposedly mentioned. Um, Seems like it's. 635 or something around <laughs> something there. A, a great number of laws Terrible. are mentioned. It goes into detail. And, and yet, that's what it's all about. It's just, okay, here's how these are the laws that we're going to commit to as a people uh, because to honor our God, to worship God, and to be good people, and to allow God to continue to bless us and keep us. So let's see here. Um, 613 is what I'm... In Deuteronomy chapter 11, he tells the people uh, to to faithfully love, obey, and worship God. In other words, total commitment to God's Word. He tells them to write down these laws. Write them everywhere. Write them on, on pieces of paper. Write them on your door sill. You know, you go to people's houses today, and sometimes it'll say... Uh, Love thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. You'll see these uh-huh. people put scripture verses up around their, uh, the doors of their house and on the walls and in the mirrors, mm-hmm. and, and that's a little bit of what Moses is telling them. Write God's word everywhere. Discuss God's word. Teach God's word to your children, mm-hmm. and 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 so it, I think would, we really we don't. Would they have been um, considered? You know, I, I always I like it how you say. Uh, you often talk about how it would be very interesting to hear how Jesus would talk about um, our modern day government because mm-hmm. it is a government of the people. Mm-hmm. In other words, so he, you know, Jesus's time, the Roman government, they it was kind of a republic. It was somewhat, you mm-hmm. know, but that it's not a representative government. As At least like, over in Rome, I, I mean, they had a Senate, you know, they had representatives right, and so right, on. But, Rome, but right. The, <laughs> if you were a conquered country, it you wasn't particularly. Have, <laughs> uh, it wasn't a representative government in that case. Um, right. Uh, but I always do think that that's a good point. That's an interesting, you know, we live in a, in a representative government and what would be, what is our role here today? And it'd be interesting to hear Jesus's maybe perspective on that. Um, what what do we get a sense of what kind of a of government? What what is the closest that Israel is in this moment? Moses hmm. is not a king. He's not a. Although interestingly, he he talks to them about if you get a king, which is I, I thought was really funny because they they they'll be discouraged from getting a king. Um, right. All along, because because the the stronger the central government becomes, it tends absolute to be power corrupts absolutely. It, yeah, <laughs> power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's exactly right. So they're warned against it, but but it is mentioned here any eventual king in chapter seventeen. Uh, God talks to him about any eventual king of Israel must have a copy of Deuteronomy, uh-huh. a copy of these laws, and, and read it every day. Mm-hmm. And, and that the leaders, the uh, the societal leaders, I guess you would say, whether they're democratically elected or appointed or they're just the the leaders of the different tribes of Israel, but the, the leaders of the of the society are supposed to teach these laws to Israel every seven years, mm-hmm. the, which is what we see Jesus do in, in the New Testament right. 
and, and the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He is obeying that command to teach the laws of God to the people uh, every seven years. So that's but that is, a very interesting yeah. observation, actually. Yeah, it is. And it is an interesting. So um, I did not get a sense of necessarily the, or, the leadership organization. I mean, I guess we know that the Levites were the priests. And then we know that each I guess, tribe had its own yeah, tribal and leaders. Caleb must have been some. Caleb I, and Joshua were leaders of their mm-hmm. their respective tribes. Uh, uh, Joshua from the tribe of uh, Judah, I believe, was his tribe. Okay, uh, but yeah, there were there was some there was some governmental arrangement. There was there was an organization mm-hmm. to the way they governed themselves and we saw part of that in the, the cities of refuge right. uh, that's part of their their legal system was that when when someone hurt or injured another or murdered another that there would be someone from their clan or family or clan would go and make it right you know, they would t- take they would deliver the judgment. And so they put that in the hands of the the Levites mm-hmm. and they established these cities of refuge so that so you wouldn't be strictly vengeance. Uh you could go there and be protected until a a trial could actually be held and and with witnesses and then we'd find out what really happened here. And if you were truly guilty, then then you would receive the consequences of your actions. But right. if not, then it wouldn't be just be left up to someone to right. take vengeance on you just because they wanted to. Right. Uh, so there were, there was a beginnings of, they had, uh, there were 70 people that were appointed to help him in those judgments. And of course the Levites were part of that, but I, we don't really ever have a, an actual governmental form, right. yeah. uh, a representative republic or democracy or a dictatorship. Most of the time, uh, they function, in, 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 particularly in Rome, It was un, there was a dictatorship. So they were expected to live as God's people, even in a dictatorship. Even when right. Nero, a godless, and you know, within any kind of form yeah, of government, or any kind of right. government, mm-hmm. so there's no there's no specific kind of government that is uh, embraced clearly by the Bible. Freedom is embraced, mm-hmm. uh, and so you would think that whatever kind of government that gives the most freedom, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because as long as there's freedom. There's the ability to proclaim the gospel, mm. and there's there's a freedom for people to decide to follow after God. Right. Uh, once you get into a dictatorship where you, oh you cannot meet, you cannot worship, you cannot have the Bible, you cannot then then of course it's it's a totally different s- setting, and people have to yeah. then obey the laws of God instead of men, and that's where you get the whole idea of of a peaceful. Um, protest, Protesting. protest, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and um, but no, you know, you I've seen believers uh, in every. I was over in in, in Russia and in, in Moscow and Kazakhstan, and they were certainly not a democratically elected republic as we know it. At least uh, they had elections, but most of them were considered to be 
not really fair elections. Right, right. Uh, you know, the Communist Party continuing to uh, control most things. And, of course, we see that in China uh, right. with the Communist Party well, control there. You want to remind, I guess, that freedom um, also because without freedom, I think you you do not have love. Uh, or at least with yeah. that ultimate and and ultimately the gospel is a gospel of love and uh, and so I think that that's probably and kind of goes back to what is the point in the of the rules and the laws anyway and it is kind of this paradox because you would think that laws limit your freedom but good laws true good laws actually enhance your freedom they, and they not only bless you they Mm, temporally on right. planet Earth, physically, but ultimately yeah. they give the environment that will lead us to worship God. Right. Because whatever the laws are, we all know that we all break them and we all need forgiveness right. and we all need power, spiritual power to keep, to be good people, mm-hmm. good citizens. And that leads us automatically to a faith and trust, a dependence on God himself to help us uh, be the kind of people we want to be. Right, right. To me. There's our music. Come up again. Our segment has gone by. We will be back in just a few minutes for our final segment here on The Bible Live. We're looking at the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to have to hustle a little bit in this last segment. Cover a few more chapters. But the Bible Live will continue. Stacy and I will be here. Don't you go away. Come back and join us after these messages. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back for our final segment here on the Bible Live broadcast. Thank you for joining us. We want to um, continue. Let's let's try to get make some progress here uh, in the book of Deuteronomy that we read this past week. The you know the chapters six through twenty eight so we covered a great deal of the of the book uh we've given the background we've given the the format of the book uh let's some of the specifics as we go through it we talked about uh God's motivation he makes that clear why did he give them these uh instructions 
and uh, for their blessing and protection, preserve them as a people. He told them to, to write down these instructions. Moses did. And that's that's good for us to understand too because that's why we put bible verses in our in our homes and mm-hmm. to remind us of these wonderful promises that God has given to his people uh to us as his people um i, I think it's interesting in chapter 11 Stacy there's Moses tells the people when they get into Israel when they when you go into the land he told them i want to get a whole bunch of you go over on mount jerusalem over here there were these two mountains, and in between them was a valley. And so some of them were supposed to go up on Mount Jerusalem, and they were to yell out blessings that God had <laughs> promised to them. Yep. And the other group was going to be on Mount Ebal on the other side of the valley, <laughs> and they would yell out curses yeah. and, and the punishment that God promised if they disobeyed. And I, I don't know, it's just kind of funny. Uh, you were using like a cheerleader, you know. <laughs> right. I feel like Moses, they covered all the bases. They even got sports thrown, put, put in there. <laughs> what did you say? Yelling. What was that yell? Oh, yes. I've got spirit. Yes, I do. I've got spirit. How about you? And then they would say, oh. I've got spirit. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so they were supposed to do something like that. And in chapter 11, uh, uh, Moses lays it. And they do it, actually. They and do. we'll read about when we get into the book of Joshua. They actually kept that command and they uh i don't know how what i don't know how they split i don't know how the cheering squads split up but they they carried it out it's, for sure it feels very uh camp like that's the original sleep yeah. sleepaway camp <laughs> the original yeah yeah it know. sounds like camp well but there is something serious about that yeah. and, and that is that he gave them in, in their commands and in, in these commandments that god gave to them they were um they were supposed to worship God only in the prescribed manner yeah. and in the prescribed places that God told them, you know, where the tabernacle was placed and later on in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and th- that sometimes it can kind of confuse us about, wow, why did they all, they all had to make all this journey all the way to the tabernacle? And they, mm-hmm. they all had to do the exact same thing. And, and and we're told in chapter 12, verses 5, 11, 14, 18, they, they were only to worship God in this. There was one way to do it. Here's how you do it. You, mm-hmm. here, now, it wasn't very limited. There was a lot of variety within it. You know, there were different offerings. There were different uh, ways you could go, dates, and so on you could go. But the, it was pretty well it was it was highly regulated. And I suppose it was to to protect the purity of the worship. Mm-hmm. Because if you just kind of left it up, oh, everybody go out there and kind of do it in your own way, uh, then it would have dissolved almost immediately into chaos and, yeah. uh, oh, you know, <laughs> kind of like what we have now with denominations, you know. <laughs> oh, well, we we Presbyterians, we do it this way. Oh, as Baptists, we oh, as Catholics. <laughs> we, we And we kind of, it probably would have... We we saw that it, even in the ten tribes of Israel when they broke right. away, right. they they stopped going to the temple, and they started uh, worshiping God each one in kind of their own ways, mm-hmm. and it led to a lot of chaos and a lot of immorality and uh, 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 just a lot of insecurity and a lot of instability in in the culture itself. So uh, I guess that it gives us at least some idea of why. 
why there was these prescribed methods, not only in, in how they treat each other and so on, but in terms of their worship. Mm-hmm. Because worship of the true and living God was key to everything else. Right. Yeah. It, it, to keeping everybody knew they couldn't keep all of these laws anyway, so they needed to they needed to be forgiven. They needed to go to God for forgiveness and they needed to demonstrate that in some way. Right. And so you have the the offerings and of course that helped take care of the Levites and their work and their labor as well. But it was all tied together. Mm-hmm. The, every aspect of this had something to do in some relationship to other to the other aspect, yeah. The way well, we, and, and I would think too, it kind of gives um, a uh, it it because worship, even though we are all worshipers, we all do worship something. Um, we don't all. It's it. It shouldn't be about us. It right. ultimately is about who we're worshiping, and and who he is in his character. Um, in chapter six, and, and, and that, in our question number six, oh yeah, yeah, it, it speaks of a sin so terrible right. that whoever did that sin should be executed, wow. and whole towns would be destroyed. Mm. And it kind of it made me think of what you're just now saying. Right. What was this terrible, destructive sin that was so strongly condemned? Worshiping, Worshiping idols false and gods. false gods, right. luring others to do the same. Right. And uh, so it's not only just, uh, I mean, the importance of it isn't just for our, our, our sake, but it is a demonstration of if we even really know who God is and how we worship is just as much a uh, recognition of his character and of who he is as it is of what we have, you know, uh, discovered of him if that makes and uh makes sense i don't know mm-hmm. um but i i guess in, in other words i can you, you can the the importance of it is i mean it's 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 key um it's it's their whole identity even as a mm-hmm. as a people group i wonder um, if this could be related to kind of the essentials now their entire religious exercise and religious practice though was not in the temple, and it was not about the sacrifices. I mean, most of their religious, on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. and the religious exercise was handled at a family level. Right. Yeah. Mom and dad uh, leading the family in prayer, teaching the children about the way to live and the way to treat people and God's commands. So, yeah. uh, so there was a whole lot of freedom, but in terms of there was there was these essential practices that bound them. Right. That they had in common mm-hmm. with other people and other families and other tribes even right. that they would go. And I've often thought of that as denominations in a way. I don't particularly see denominations in the body of Christ today as detrimental because particularly in our culture, in our society, we come from so many different backgrounds and you know, Hispanic and Germanic and Italian and this. We come from a lot of different cultural uh, African, Asian backgrounds and societies and so on, that there are cultural differences with with all the differences of food and the way we practice and exercise things, the way we speak. There are linguistic differences. And people, it, to me, it's very natural that people like to gather together in terms of common like, interest sure. and around people of, who understand them as they are and so on. Mm-hmm. So... 
in some ways I see that as denominations denominations is just a, that freedom that we have even as God's people to we speak the same language we come from the same cultural practices and understandings but I have noticed too though even though you go I've been part of a ministry for 50 years now that we are interdenominational uh, we we work with Baptists, Presbyterian, Catholics, um, Assemblies of God, every different. Yeah. But there are some essentials. There are some sure. basic truths about God and, and, and Jesus and our Savior and our salvation that we hold in common. And we like to emphasize those uh, over the differences. Uh, the differences are there. I don't find them in particularly diff- harmful. Uh, but if we love each other across those differences... And and that we don't we understand that there's really only one church in uh-huh. San Antonio, uh-huh. uh, and, and God's people. Mm-hmm. We may meet in different ways and call ourselves a little bit different denomination, different ways of mm-hmm. doing the Lord's Supper or this or that or the other. But the essentials in those essentials, mm-hmm. we are we are we are unified. Mm-hmm. We are gathered around the Lordship of Jesus Christ and faith in him. So anyway, I, I don't know how that enters in, but it, <laughs> it comes into the complex complexity, I guess, of what Moses, what God and what Moses using Moses to do here. Yes. Uh, it, it's not an easy thing. Right. This nation building that you were right. talking about. Well, earlier. And I think it, it goes just back to that. Um, I love which it's not about the people. It's not about us. It's not about how, wonderful we are i loved what uh it is let's see chapter seven uh-huh. what verse was it uh eight seven and eight yeah. yeah the lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations for you were the smallest of the nations rather it was simply that the lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors that is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I like how the uh, is simply that the Lord loves you. That's right. <laughs> he loves you, and uh, nothing within uh, us, yeah. right? Mm. And it, and I think that that is in terms of the worship and the approach to worship. Um, there is a humility ultimately in it. It's not about, and I love that there's the. Um, even at the very end, chapter 27, um, Jewish altars for sacrifice and worship were to be built of what kind of stones and why uncut stones, natural uncut stones, so that there wouldn't be any confusion with idolatry, right? It's not about, it's not really about what we can bring to the Lord and, or what we can create or what we can kind of, it's, it's not, it's not us worshiping God in our image. <laughs> it is us responding to him and obedience and doing and worshiping and loving him how he asks us to. And so there's a real humility mm. involved uh, in worship. And that I, I think that comes out in Deuteronomy because it's wrapped up in obedience and remembering that it's not about us being able to keep this promise it's that he has he has made this promise and will keep yeah. it um and i i mean even in a healthy i don't know i always i think of pilgrim's progress quite a bit as a book i just think it's 
so it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. John Bunyan oh, yeah, brilliant. Every, uh, it really is. Um, and I always think about um, the key out of, you know, Pilgrim, they, they get stuck in Downing Castle. And they're the temptation, the giant, the uh, ruler of Downing Castle is not going to kill them. What his goal is, is to try and get them to kill themselves. And um, and they don't see a way out. They, uh, it's about as devastating as it gets. They see the bones of others that have killed and that have killed themselves, and and it's finally that they remember the key. Um, the key out is the key of promise, and it's nothing to do with their ability or of anything. That it's just. He promised. It's the key of promise mm, <laughs> that gets mm. them out of Doubting Castle, and I just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I anytime, I guess I can see why in the New Testament, you know, why Deuteronomy would be so referenced. It's. It's just that. Well, it's a book of it's, promise. It's a book of if you covenant, do this, if you follow me, I'm going to preserve you and yeah. keep you wonderfully. Yeah. That's a great application of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Remember that uh, riddle we told from the book of Leviticus? Uh, no, it's from one of the Psalms. It says, right. God gives away many of us, but he keeps right. all of us forever. Yes. Those oh, are his promises. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We are We are men and women, people of God and people of the promise. We cling to his promise, who he is and what he has promised to do in us, with us, and through us. So, uh, okay, well, we move on. That Worshiping idols and false gods is this, that is ultimately what God is trying. All of these laws and all of these guidelines and decrees are designed to help them remain faithful to the true and living God, help them to continue to understand life as it really is, right? Yeah. not with false gods and false mm-hmm. systems that, that, because those can be used to empower one group over another. Whereas if, if we follow after the true and living God, uh, we'll never be in bondage to anyone uh, if we make him our, our truly our God. Well, let's see what else we can see here in some of the chapters 13. Uh, we saw that they had the dietary laws, which I don't I quite understand the dietary laws. Some people say they had to do with health, that God, uh, and it could be, I suppose, that in those days uh, certain foods were not healthy. Uh, I know when I, when I was raised up on a farm and a ranch, uh, our agricultural director mentioned to us that, that in fact, pigs were not their meat was not particularly healthy nowadays of course because of treatment and and because of the way it is the meat is prepared uh it it is more um more healthy and and, is not uh doesn't i mean they've taken care of how to make it more purified of health but i don't think i don't think the dietary laws in chapter listed in chapter 14 remember the the animals that could be eaten had split hooves and they chewed the cud. Any animal that had split hooves and chewed the cud was could be eaten, uh, hunted and prepared and eaten. And for as far as uh, uh, fish, they had to have both fins and scales for them to be uh, considered to be ceremonially clean. Now, these dietary laws, I don't know 
we're not told it, that they are health motivated. Mm-mm. Right. Some people have theorized that. I remember there was a book when I was a kid that none of these diseases that were all, it was all based on a lot of the dietary laws, yeah. mm-hmm. how, how wise they were because they, 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 they cut down on diseases and illnesses. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But, it, it, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me, but it's not really laid out right. in that way. Uh, these Some of these dietary laws may have just been, this is a way, one way I want yeah. you to be unique. Right. right. I, I'm calling you to follow me, and this is something right. that's going to characterize you as a culture mm-hmm. and, and help you to have an, a, a group an identity as a people. So it may, may, may or may not have had to do with health, but that was the ceremonially clean animals and fish that are listed. Let me see what. Oh, there's there's several things written about slavery here um, in in the book of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. and in, uh, in the people of Israel. Now, see, that's a topic that is very much misunderstood in our day today because of. Of our history as a nation with right, modern odd, the modern idea of slavery is that you own another person right. and, and, and it would be kidnapping. Uh, that was the idea. Of, uh, we would go and kidnap people out of their homes and families right. and, and own them. Mm-hmm. And that was strictly forbidden, uh, forbidden uh, in, uh, among the Jewish people, but that, but not indentured labor. In other words, you could, sign a contract to work for someone for two or three years, or if you stole something from them that you would work to pay back that. Uh, but that is not slavery in the sense of ownership. And even that was limited. And even an indentured laborer, uh, every seven years they had to be set free. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is important that we understand that difference uh, between Almost the, uh, more like an employer, uh, an yeah. employee kind of? That would be more, I think that's where we could apply more of these principles about. Uh, that would be are, what we would think of today. It's used the word slavery, but it's not slavery in the same sense that we commonly understand it today. Right. So that's that's an important thing. that we, Most of the commands and principles about slavery could be applied to employer-employee relationships today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's um, well definitely can be and should be actually the way we treat each other in in that relationship Mm -hmm. what else do we see uh, they talk about some of the the unleavened bread you have the the, how about the the holidays yeah you have the uh, the day of atonement you have the celebration of Passover you have the feast of unleavened bread uh, as a continuation of the of the day uh, of the Passover uh, festival, you had the festival of shelters, mm-hmm. uh, all of these that are that are mentioned. Um, th- those are all related to, as well, to helping us remember uh, who God is, who we are, and celebrate. Most all of them were celebratory; mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily. Now, the Day of Atonement was somber; it was a day of fasting, but all the others had to do with. Feasting with your family and celebrating and laughing and enjoying and remembering, uh, uh, you know, just a day off work <laughs> was 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 a part of it. Uh, so all of those are listed here in the book of Deuteronomy as well. Let's see if there anything shelters the festival of shelters. Um, um, and so Moses would not have considered himself 
um, a king. Now he talks about the eventual, and the eventual king must uh-huh. read uh, the law, uh, the Pentateuch. Um, Chapter 17, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but so does he, how, how long is it between when they entered and when Moses dies to their first king? About 300, 325, okay. 350 years. Wow. They because they go good. through the judges. Remember, they go through uh, Joshua and then Othniel, his nephew, becomes the first of the 12 judges. And then you go through. So that's what they that's what they immediately settle into is the system of um, of judges. Right. Okay. After Moses. Yeah. But yet the judge was not he wasn't an ongoing centralized government. Right. What they would what they basically did is they peacefully coexisted as tribes. Right. They had their the. The father, you know, the of the tribe, the leader of the different tribes. Uh-huh. It's like states' rights in a way. <laughs> yeah. Each tribe kind of functioned as it functioned in their own their own clan in their mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, but then, uh, where was I headed with that? But then, of course, in a time of danger, if the Amalekites or someone came and they they begin to repress and oppress them. Then out of the 12 tribes, God would bring up, raise up a hero, uh, a judge. Uh And that's what the 12 judges were all about. They would raised up in a given moment to help deliver and unite all of the tribes to oppose a certain tyranny and deliver them from that, and then they would go back. So they went through. So their centralized government was mostly for national defense. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I mean, exactly, right. exactly okay. what it was for, basically. Okay. Uh, and and if it went further than that, became more than that, it got dangerous right. pretty quickly. It got right. it got chaotic, and uh, it, it tended to move on toward the idea of a king who would lord over them right. and want all the raise their taxes and all this sort of thing. Okay. But but that's what happened about 325 or 350 years and then they got their first king uh as you remember was David. No. Saul. 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 Thank you. Good <laughs> good girl. Uh, that's right. That's right. Caught you by surprise with yeah. that one. Okay. <laughs> so then you have the um we have about the his instructions about the king about their uh, their giving offerings to the uh, Levites. Uh, the cities of refuge are mentioned. The kinsman redeemer. Oh, I think I want, yeah, the kinsman, kinsman redeemer. That's yes. also very good because it points, of course, to the Messiah. The principle of justice. I want to mention this as we get out. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That is not a call to vengeance as we popularly understand it today. It meant let the punishment fit the crime. That's all we have for tonight, folks. See you next week here on The Bible Live. Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.